question for you, how many, or has anyone, I guess would be a better question, has anyone ever ridden a mechanical bull? Anybody ever, we got a couple of you? Okay, a couple of you crazies out there, try that. That's great, that's great. So I, I had a party, we did a party, uh, and I put this big thing together, and, and I brought in a mechanical bull for this event, because I thought this would be a lot of fun. So here's a picture of me riding a mechanical bull. I look so tough and rough, don't I? I'm accused of being a rodeo guy all the time. But no, this is me riding a bull, super exciting, great, okay? And if you've ever tried riding, you know, the real, we've actually got some, some ladies in the church that are like real rodeo. They like do like barrel racing on horses and stuff. They're far tougher than I am. Uh, but when you do this, <laughs> fake bull riding or real bull riding, uh, here's the call. It's you got to grip it hard and don't let go. You just grip that thing, and you try, the goal is don't let go. You know, you see the rodeo guys, they just get their hand on and they're gripping as hard as they can, and they're flopping around, and they're just trying not to let go, you know? And so when I did this thing, it, it, it started out, it was kind of like, you know, those little, like, quarter machines outside the grocery store that's like, hey, you know, I'm doing this, and I'm like, oh, this is fun, this is nice. But eventually, this thing starts going, and eventually it flips, and I go th get thrown off the bull. And if you've, if you've never had a chance to do this, I would encourage it's super, it's safe and fun as long as you don't have back problems. Other than that, it's great. Okay, but why do I talk about this? So I think the way that we oftentimes live our lives is the same way we try to ride a bull. Grip it hard and don't let go. We live in this posture of hold tightly to mine. We talked about this a little last week. Right, to hold on to stuff. Hold on. And the thing that's disappointed me or frustrated me about myself and what I've seen in other people during this whole season of COVID is I think it's gotten worse. We've gotten into this, this position of like protective, hold back, withhold. I got to try and be safe. And, and there's wisdom in being cautious and safe. I understand those things. But if we're not careful, it totally changes the way we live our lives. We get into this very grip it, grip it, and don't let go. None of us like people that live that way. Like when we see people, we don't like, oh, I want to be like them because they're just so, like that doesn't inspire us at all. We don't like those kind of people. We don't want to be those people. And the truth is, as followers of Christ, we're not called to be those people. We're called to live differently. And so this morning, we're going to look at a, a passage and we're going to look at a theme that's throughout all of Scripture. And I think it's going to challenge our hearts a bit. It's going to challenge where we're at. But I also pray that it would change the position and the posture of our hands, all right? If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. As you're turning there, just a reminder, we're in our Bible reading plan. This past week, we read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. This next week, uh, we'll have a new reading plan. It comes out tomorrow on our social media. If you want to jump in, you can do that. Otherwise, would you stand with me across the room as we're going to read our primary verse today? And some of you could probably just quote this thing and not even have to read it, but we're going to read it anyway. John 3, verse 16 says this, For God... So loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak to us today. God, I desperately need you to reveal this to all of our hearts. God, I can't convince anyone of this. So Lord, would you speak? We pray that in your name. Everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. 
Well, we have been in this series, Money Talks, for the last few weeks. And if you're a guest here today, I'm going to say it again. Listen, the last thing I want to talk about is money. Because I know what you're thinking. You're like, seriously, the church always talks about money. But I told you, I have to talk about money because it is that important. And in this series, we've said money talks. It isn't just that we're going to talk about money, but our money talks. Our money says far more than just what our financial situation is. It speaks of where our heart's at. It speaks of where we're at. There's so much that our money says. And so over these last uh, two weeks, and now today, we've been sharing a few different things. If you remember back in week number one, we dealt with one word. That word was identity, right? Identity. And when we talked about this concept of identity, we said, you know, for most of us, we're trying to answer this question, who am I? Who am I, right? Who am I? And, and we try to, to find our identity out here. But the, the fact is, as followers of Christ, is we have this blessing, this truth that we have been given an identity to us by God. Remember, who are we? We are a child of God, as followers of Christ. We are, are those who have been saved and redeemed, right? We are saints. We are eternal kingdom people. That's who we are. But when we forget that, we end up getting kind of screwy and we're trying to find an identity out here somewhere. And instead of living from the identity, we're pursuing identity. I said the big so what from week number one was this. Our money problems are often identity problems disguised as money problems. Right? We, we, we think it's a money problem. No, the problem is we're trying to find an identity out here and so we're trying to buy it. And we get ourselves into really bad financial positions as we're trying to pursue this identity rather than living from what God has given us. So that was week one. We talked identity. Week number two, we talked about stewardship, the principle of stewardship. What's stewardship, remember? Stewardship is somebody who takes care of somebody else's stuff. That's a steward. And it says that we, as followers of Christ, we are called to be stewards of what God has put into our hands. Remember, the, ch the, the change in mindset was what? It was from mine to his. Right? We walk around like the seagulls on Finding Nemo, remember? Mine, 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 mine. That's how we live our lives. Mine, 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 mine. Instead, we're called to be his, 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 his. God, how can I be a good steward of what you've put into my hands? And the big so what from week uh, number two was this. Do I trust God and can he trust me? Do I trust God? Can he trust me? Do I trust God? If I were to look at my finances, at the way I deal with my money, is there anything about my money that would show that my trust is in him, that he is my source, that he is my hope, or is it all about I'm my own source? Okay, that's a question we got to ask. And similarly, we ask the question, can he trust me? If God was to look at my finances, if he was to look at the way I handle money and my stuff, would he say, that's somebody who's trustworthy? That's somebody who's being a good steward. Or would we say to ourselves, I'm not so sure. It's a question we got to ask ourselves, all right? So we dealt with the idea of identity. We dealt with the idea of stewardship. This morning, we're going to look at a third word, and that word is generosity. Generosity. Now, I would guess that most of us know somebody that we would say is generous, right? You got that person in your life, you know, it's that grandma, it's that, you know, that person, you know, that aunt, that uncle. It's just, they're just generous. That's just who they are. That's just how they're wired. Some people are wired that way. You can see it in kids. Okay, I got two boys, and I'm not going to tell you who is who because I'm a good father, okay? But one of my boys thinks about numero uno all the time. He thinks about, he is only concerned, and my wife just went, mm, she just said that in the front row. Okay, we know who it is. He thinks about himself. He's worried about himself. He cares about himself. That's just how he's wired. The other son I have, 
his, since he was two, always concerned about the other person, always looking to give to somebody else. There are times where I have to stop him. He will give his money to his brother and sister. Just, well, they didn't have any. I'm like, stop giving them your money, right? Because the problem is we got the one who wants to give and the one who wants to take, and everything goes this way, you know? So we're trying to steward his, his generosity in a healthy way for him, right? But some people are just that way. So for some of you, this is just how you are. I know Amber's got an aunt that's like that. She's just like always generous. She just wants to give, okay? But for most of us, we're not just naturally these generous people. Just, oh, how can I give more, right? How can I give more of my time away? I just want to be generous, liberal with my time. Can someone take my time, right? Can, I want to be liberal with my energy. I just want to give my energy to everybody else. Can I just do my emotional energy? I'm just looking for people to give. That's just not how most of us are. And when it comes to our money and it comes to our stuff, we're the same way. Most of us are just like, how can, I, how can I meet needs? How can I just go do that? That's just not how we're wired, you know? And yet, generosity is the call of a Christ follower. So we say, okay, it's not natural, but, but we're supposed to do this thing. Well, here's the deal. Most things that we are called to as followers of Christ aren't natural. Most things God has called us to are not the way everybody else does things. We talked about it this whole summer, talking about this concept of love, right? We are called to love in a selfless way. That's not natural. That's not normal. And yet we're called to that. We're, we're called to, to do things like lay down our rights and prefer the ever, other. That's not normal and natural. It's not natural to pray for your enemies, right? To pray blessings over your enemies. That's not normal. The, no, the normal people in the world don't live that way. It's not natural to prioritize eternal things over temporal things. That's not natural. That isn't what you do instinctively. In the same way, it's not natural for us to live righteous, holy lives in a world that is constantly pursuing evil and heading towards sin. That's not normal. And yet, that's what we're called to do. And so we come back to this idea of generosity. How? How do we become what we aren't? How do we become what we aren't naturally? See, this is where the gospel comes in. And I get excited on a weekly basis when I get to talk about the power in the gospel because the promise of the gospel is that God literally transforms our hearts. He puts a new heart inside of us. He makes us new. He changes our desires. I've told you this before, that the gospel isn't religious indoctrination. That's not what the gospel is. We live that way sometimes, right? Like, just teach me all the stuff. I'm going to show up to church, teach me all the good things, and then everything will be better, and I'll be perfect, and I'll know how to do my life right, and I'll be a good person, and then God will like me. That's not the purpose of the gospel. It isn't religious indoctrination. It is spiritual transformation. That's the hope of the gospel, that he doesn't try to burden us from the exterior and change us from the outside in, but God literally wants to transform us from the inside out to give us a new heart. Are there things that need to change? in your thinking? Absolutely. Are there things that need to change in your doing? Absolutely. But it begins in who you're being. And God will transform your heart. This is the hope of the gospel. Does it make sense? I don't understand it. How does God do it? I don't get it. But as we present ourselves before him, he renews us. If anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. He isn't a patched up, repaired version of yourself trying to be a good person. You are a brand new creation. Spiritually, this is a truth. This isn't something you have to hope. This is a truth as we are in Christ. But what are we being transformed into? What is he making us? What's the goal? What's the target? 
What's the vision we're trying to have here? I think that's found in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Some of you have heard this scripture before. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of his son. What's God's desire for you? What does he want to transform you into? He wants you to look like Jesus. That's the goal. Look like Jesus. What does it say in Hebrews? The sun is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being. Ultimately, God's desire is for you to look like him. That you would be shaped like him. That you would value what he values. You would prioritize what he prioritizes. That you would resemble the character and the nature of who God is. That it would start to flow out of you. That's his desire for you. For every single one of us. His goal is that you would look like your father. Now some of us have moms, we have dads, and, and as we get older, we start to look more like them. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Right? I wish I looked more like my dad simply because my dad has far more hair than I have. I'm annoyed with my dad. He's way older than me, and yet his, his hair is full. As the days go on, I, I talk to my wife. My wife looks and talks more like her mother on a regular basis. It's funny. Right? That's just how it is. Like, it's kind of normal. And I look at my kids, for good or for bad, I see stuff coming out of my kids. I'm like, that's your dad. <laughs> there it is. Okay? Like, we get that. That's normal. That's a natural thing in life. And the natural thing for a follower of Christ is you're going to look more and more like your dad. Your spiritual father. That's normal. That's the outcome. That's what it should be. As we are, spend time, if we aren't, then we need to question, God, am I really submitting to you? Am I becoming more like you? Am I being conformed into the image of the Son? Am I sharing your attributes? Is my character looking more like yours than what's natural to me? That's what we need to ask ourselves, all right? This is God's desire. And who is God? What is a part of God's character? God is generous. Generosity is part of the character of who God is. And so I want to turn to the verse that we looked at, read earlier, John 3, 16. Again, most of you know this one, for God so loved the world and gave his one and son, whosoever believed in him should not, oh, I said KGV right there, sorry. I just changed translations in the middle of my speaking. But you know that verse, and, and I think most of you, even if you don't know that verse, you've heard John 3, 16 before, right? Maybe you watch a football game, you see a sign get held up with John 3, 16, you know. Tim Tebow used to like print it in his black stuff under his eyes, you know, back in the day. We're familiar with this idea, but I want to actually stop this verse about halfway through. Uh, because this verse goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave. When we think about the character of God, it doesn't just say that God is loving. It says literally that God is what? God is love. If you want to know what love looks like, look at God. Look at how he responds. That is his very character. And out of the overflow of who he is, God is love. And that overflow of love demands a spirit of generosity. This moment, this, this moment where God gave his son was not some singular moment where that was his generous moment and all the rest of the time is just, no, no. God's very heart, his very character is that of a generous God. And so what I want to do is I want to walk through the entire story of the gospel because I believe that the entire story of the gospel is a story of generosity. And so we look at who is God? Who is God? The, the, the whole story begins as our creator God. Creator God. Remember, there was no need for God to create. He is whole, complete, unto his own. There's no need 
He didn't have to do this. Out of the abundance of his very character, out of the abundance of who he is, out of his spirit of generosity that is who he is, he created, he made this entire universe that's beyond our comprehensions, out of the fullness of who he is. But we know how the story goes, right? Humanity, despite God's goodness, his generous heart toward them, said, you know what? You're cool, God. We kind of want to do things our own way. We want to go our own way. And the result of that is what? Sin, death, and destruction entered the world. And so now we've got a world that God created out of the generosity of his heart, of who he is. He forms this world, now has turned the wrong way, and is destroying itself because of that sin. And our God had every right to say, good luck. You want to do this on your own? Go for it. But his heart is generous. And so he's not only our creator God, he is our redeemer God. That's the story of Scripture. You want to know what the story of Scripture is, the whole story? It is God redeeming all things back to his purpose, bringing all things under his hand, under his kingdom again, as rightful Lord and King over all creation. That's the story. Oh, is the story about you being saved? Absolutely. But that's not the big story. There is a big story that you fit into. God doesn't fit into your story. You fit into his And God is redeeming all things out of the generosity of his heart. Not because he has to. It's because it's who he is. He is a generous God who looks to restore. And that's good news for every one of us because he wants to redeem you as well. But he's not just our redeemer God. He is an incarnate God. Incarnate God. I don't think there's a more generous moment in all of time and space than the moment where the son, the eternal son of God, the eternal Messiah Christ came and humbled himself to the point of a baby. Think of a, more, of a greater gap that exists in all of time and space than the God of the universe becoming dependent on a mother to bathe it, feed it, change its diaper. It's insane. Yet that's God's heart. He's willing to, that's his generous heart. That's who he is. But it doesn't end there because he's not only our incarnate God, he is our savior God. Our Savior, God. Remember, this God who came as a a child became a man who went to a cross, not because anybody made him. Remember, he said this, nobody takes my life, I give it. That's what Jesus said. I give my life. Why? Because I love you, I care, and my heart is generous. Nobody forced him to stay on that. There's a song that sings he could have called 10,000 angels to bring him down off that cross, but he didn't because his heart for us is generous. That is who he is. He gives, and he allowed his hands to be nailed and his feet to be nailed to a cross for you and for me. But the story of his generosity doesn't end there because he goes from being our Savior God to being our Eternal God. Eternal God. His kingdom reigns forever and ever and ever. And he invites every single one of us, not because we deserve it, but because he is that good. He invites us into his kingdom. And remember, you read it in Revelations. At the end, it talks about this. Is that there's no more crying. There's no more tears. There's no more pain. No more destruction. All of that goodness is available to us for all eternity. This is who our God is. And he is calling and beckoning us to himself. And some of you are here this morning, and you've never been in relationship with God. You need to understand this. Your God loves you desperately will you respond to him this is who our God is and I believe this with all of my heart that as we lay our lives before him as followers of Christ that's what we do we surrender our lives we take up our cross as we do that and we allow him to transform our hearts 
I believe he'll make us look more like him. And because he is a generous God, I believe that is who he will make us to be. In fact, I believe that's who he's calling us to be. So I want to get to our big so what here, and we're going we're gonna to kind of talk through this just for a moment. Every week we have big so what. So what, what's the point of this thing? If you forget everything else I've said today, here's the big so what. Generosity means open hearts and open hands. Generosity means open hearts and open hands. It means looking like our Father, right? Because God, what did he do? He didn't stand far off, say, figure it out for yourselves, right? You got yourself into this mess, you figure your way out of it. No, his heart was still open toward us. And he was in a position that said, here's my hands. I'll let nails go through them. Whatever I've got, I'm not holding back. So what does it mean for us? As followers of Christ, if we are going to be those who God has called us to, we start here with an open heart. With an open heart that says this, my heart is open to whatever God would put before me. So sometimes we think about generosity, and we're like, Generous, generosity is the person who gives everything they can and go and moves to Africa, and they, you know, they, they have nothing, and that, that's a, maybe, maybe. Generosity isn't just that, though, because there is more need than you will ever be able to meet. Like if, if you, the only definition of generosity is just keep giving until all the needs have been met, you will never stop giving and you will be bankrupt and you will be dead before you can do anything, right? There is so much need that exists in our world. Generosity begins with a heart that just says, God, my heart is open. What are you speaking to me? Because sometimes that step of generosity isn't going across to Africa, it's going to your neighbor who's hurting. Sometimes that step of generosity doesn't seem like this massive thing, but in the moment, it actually could impact somebody's life. That's what generosity, and we start in this posture. Listen, Jesus didn't meet every need. He didn't. He lived, and he died, and he left without meeting every need that existed on this planet. So we're not called to do that. We're called to say, God, is our heart open to what you are calling me to do? Do we have that posture, or do we live the closed posture says, I don't care what you say, God. <laughs> Mine. Right? We start with an open heart. But the second is we have open hands. Because again, we live like this, clinging to what we have, clinging to what is ours. Saying, you know what, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say something, but I'm not really investing my time. I can't really, I can't give my time up. I'm too busy, you know. I, got, I don't have enough energy to go around. No, I, you know, I know I should probably do that. I'm kind of feeling a tug like I should, but I'm not going to because I just, I got to conserve, right? I got to protect mine, you know? There's, there's, you know, emotional, like that's going to take too much emotional energy. I just, I don't have time for that, right? Now, there's wisdom, but are your fists clenched? Are you saying, God, whatever you want? And then when it comes to our finance, it comes to our money, it comes to our stuff, are we living like this, saying, God, it's mine, mine. We're saying, God, you know what? My heart is open. Whatever you speak to me, my hands are open. I'm going to live this way. Offering whatever you call me to, whenever you call me. Because uh, as we said last week, ultimately, it's all yours anyway. I just want to be a good steward with what you put in my hands. That's the call. 
So last week we talked about uh, the principle of the tithe, and you'll understand why I'm, I'm going back to this here in a moment. Okay, we talked about the principle of tithe. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back and watch that. But we talked, just to give you a quick refresher, tithe, the whole principle is the tithe is a tenth. That's what it means. It's 10%. And so the principle of tithing through scripture is saying, God, I give you 10% of what comes in, what I earn. And not just any 10%, it's the first 10%. Why? Because we don't, we don't give the extra, we don't give the leftover. We say, God, no, our hope and our trust is in you. We give you the first. We give you the best. We put it into your hands, and that's saying, God, I'm yours. I trust in you. It's the greatest step that many of us need to take, and maybe you haven't. And I saw last week that there's probably three different groups in the room. And I said the first group is those who are kind of, you've tithed some here and there. You've done it when it's convenient, but you haven't always. And my challenge to you is to step into a consistent position where you are tithing regularly. Not because, again, not because we're desperate for money in some way, but because of what it does in your heart as you begin to prioritize and remember, orient your lives around Christ. Not just with your words, but with every part of you, including your wallet. To say, God, everything I'm going to orient around you. And so for some of you, that's the challenge. It's just a consistency in that area. There was another group of you that I talked to, and those were those of you who, who really have never given before. You maybe give here and there. You might give five bucks. You might give 50 bucks here and there. Uh, but it's not something that you built into your life. And my challenge toward you is to begin the journey toward the tithe. My guess is if you've, if you've got your finances, if you're like everybody else, my guess is you just suddenly don't have 10% of your money that isn't accounted for right now, right? You're like, I, there, I couldn't even tithe if I wanted to in this exact moment. But my challenge to you is to begin the journey of heading toward the tithe. So that might mean giving first five bucks, 10 bucks, 50 bucks. I don't care what it is, but to begin to get yourself in a posture of saying, God, I'm gonna put you first. You remember the phrase that I use, premeditated, consistent giving. Premeditated, you plan it ahead of time and you're consistent. You don't just do it when it's convenient, you do it consistently. Build it into your life as we orient our finances around God and his kingdom. We put his kingdom first before our own kingdom. So that's the challenge. And some of you, I encourage you toward that step. But there's another group, and this is the group that I didn't talk to last week because I was saving it for this week, all right? And you're the group that's the tithers, okay? Many of you are the tithers. I mean, you're faithful. When I preached last week about the tithe, you're feeling good, like, yeah, I'm a tither. Boom, nail it every time, right? Here's the deal. If you're not careful, if we aren't careful, we allow the tithe, rather than to be an act of generosity, the tithe becomes a limit. Because we can say, check that box, God. Don't touch my 90. I don't want to listen anymore. I don't want to be led by your spirit. I don't want to have an open heart and open hands anymore. God, I've given you yours. Now back off. And see, that's not the heart that God's desiring to groom inside of us. It's to groom a heart of generosity that says, God, it's all yours. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give you the 10, but really it's all yours. And God, it's not just an issue of giving right here. It's an issue of giving in my life at large. God, would I be in a posture of generosity where my heart is open, where my hands are open? And I say, God, it's all yours. But here's the generosity is not an amount, right? It's a heart condition. It's not an amount. It's not saying, well, I've given this much, therefore I'm generous. No, it's being in a position that says, God, it's all yours. I'll do whatever you want with it, right? It isn't like I'm gonna give everything all the time because we'll never be able to give enough. It's saying, God, I will listen to you and I will do what you've asked me to do. I will be faithful with that, right? I'm going to ask you to do something with me. I'm going to tell you a little story, but before I do that, I want you to do something while I tell the story. If you're watching online, I want you to do the same thing. Take your hands out. I want you to squeeze them. 
okay? Like you're gripping something hard. You're really gripping something hard, okay? Keep gripping it, all right? Keep holding that position, and I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, there's a couple here in this church, um, amazing couple here in this church. Uh, I'm not going to use their names, and I didn't ask their permission, because if I asked their permission, they'd probably have told me no. So I'm going to ask forgiveness later. Okay, there's an amazing couple here in this church. And I've been here for a year and a half. Amber and I have been here for a year and a half. And in that year and a half, I've, I've never seen greater generosity in people than I've seen in this couple. Where over and over and over, and I've seen them not looking to see what can they get, but looking to see how can they give, how can they invest. The amount of little times here and there where they've given toward things to support things all around this church, extra stuff, not the stuff that we talk about even, the stuff that they just feel a burden on their heart. At one point they came to me and said, hey, we feel a burden, we feel God telling us to do this thing. I said, whoa, that thing costs a lot. And they said, yeah, we're not doing it for you. We're doing it because this is what God spoke to our heart. And so can we do this? I said, okay. They said, don't tell anybody, please. I said, okay. This is, their, this is their heart. They're just generous. This is how God, and it's like they understand. They look like their father. They do. They look like their heavenly father. They're, they're not trying to be something. They are simply becoming and looking more like their dad. They're be, being generous people. They're holding lightly, not holding tightly to things. They're saying, how can I give? Not how can I hoard? Not how can I grip? How can I grip it and rip it, right? It's no, God, how can I give? But here's the, the little crazy secret about it. You will never meet more joy-filled people in your life. You just won't. It's evident that their source is not money. Their source isn't stuff. Their source is their Father in heaven. Filled with joy. Is it, are they given because they're loaded? I don't know. I don't think so. I think they're given because that's where their heart is. God has so shaped their hearts. And there's such freedom when you can live that way. It brings freedom to your life. What I want you to do is I want you to let go of your hands right now. You feel the blood start to flow back in, the relief that happens there. This is what God intended for you. We live our lives like this, and we think, oh, God just wants my money. No, he doesn't want your money. He wants freedom for you. Remember, he wants Zoe life for you, abundant, overflowing, overwhelming life for you. But it isn't going to happen in this position. It happens as we say, God, I'm not holding on to this stuff. This stuff doesn't matter. What matters is you, your kingdom, what you're doing in the world. And so my prayer for every one of us, I don't care where you're at, if you're, you're a follower of Christ or you're not, listen, this principle works whether, it's, whether you're following Christ or not. But my prayer for all of us is that we would get into a position that says, God, I want to be free. I want to live the way you intended for me to live. Not bound, not gripping, not holding on, but God, free. I'm going to encourage those who are online, stay with me here, because we're going to, in a moment, we're going we're gonna to talk about something. I want you to stick with us for a moment. But I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you guys and over our hearts, all right? And so if you're comfortable doing so, for a moment, I, I want to pray over our hearts. So if you place your hands over your heart, I want to just pray a blessing over you. God, we come right now as those who recognize that we aren't always looking like you. We don't always operate the way you operate, God. But God, as your children, we recognize that you want to make us new over and over and over. 
over again. You are shaping us. You are molding us like the great potter that we see in, in the Old Testament. God, you are shaping us into your image. And God, I pray right now that, that you would take our hearts, our hearts that oftentimes are focused on ourselves, that care about ourselves. God, I pray that you would break us of those bondages that so often they're eating away at us. We think it's good for us because we're focusing on ourselves, but in, in reality, it is destroying us from the inside out. God, I pray that you would set us free from that. And instead, we would be living in complete joy and comfort and, and rest in you, Lord. God, shape our hearts. And I invite you just to put your hands out for a moment. God, God, we give you our hands, Lord, just as a symbol, God. So often we are living with tightly clenched fists, trying to hold onto everything, protecting our own, withholding from others. Instead, God, I pray that we would open our hands. And God, we would offer to you and God say, it's all yours. Lead us, lead our hearts, guide us. Father, that we would operate in a way that looks more like your kingdom and not ours. With every eye closed, every head bowed, and there may be somebody in the room who's, you know, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Hear this. He came to this earth for no other reason but to bring redemption to all of creation, and that includes you. He wants to buy you back. He wants to bring salvation to your life. He wants to give you a brand new beginning, and he wants to invite you into his kingdom for all of eternity. If that's you this morning and you want to take the step to say, God, I want to surrender my life for the very first time, whether you're in the room or whether you're online with me right now, I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer just like this with me. Father, I thank you so much that you love me. I don't understand it, but I say thank you. And I recognize that I'm a sinner and that I, I go my own way. Today, God, I want to turn toward you, turn away from my sin and turn toward you. I ask that you would forgive me that you would wash me, that you would make me new, that you would make me that new creation that you promised. And God, I pray that you would help me to live for your glory. But I, I surrender my day to you. I surrender my life to you, God. And I say, you are my king. You are my Lord. You are my leader in everything. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you for that, Lord. Pray that in your name. Everybody said, amen. Well, if you made a decision this morning to follow after Christ, to, to make that a part of your life, I'm going to be right down here. I'd love the chance to talk to you for a moment. If you are online, I encourage you to send an uh, email to faith at zchurch.org, faith at zchurch.org, and uh, we'd love to help you on the journey of faith. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, but before you go, this morning we have the opportunity to actually operate in generosity, to operate in in faithfulness. As many of you saw, if you're in the room, you saw the card sitting on your chair this morning. If you haven't read it already, um, we talk about kingdom builders. I just want to explain a little bit uh, of our church here for a moment so you understand. I'll give you two minutes to understand that around here, there's, there's two ways that we give around here. We give through our tithes and offerings as well as kingdom builders. Tithes and offering is a normal giving that comes in these doors. And what do we do with that money that comes in? That money goes to the normal operation of this church body. And we don't get outside source. It is all this body that gives to support it. It supports to this facility. It supports to uh, paying salaries for staff. It goes to the utilities of this building. Uh, it goes also, we give 10% of whatever comes in this building goes back outside of these doors to support missionaries and missions organizations all around the world. And, and we're able to invest that way. And we partner with over 40 missionaries and missions organizations. So that's what happens with our normal. But above and beyond that, some of you beyond your ties say, we want to be generous. 
We want to give beyond that. And so we have what is kingdom builders. Kingdom builders are for those who are already taking the step to tithe to say, God, I want to give above and beyond. And on a regular basis, I'm going to invest in things. And so we give into kingdom projects. So there's three different things we focus on. We focus on global projects. We focus on local ministries. And we focus on the next generation. And this past year, we've done a number of things through kingdom builders. As so many of you have given above and beyond your normal giving to kingdom builders, we've been able to use that to invest in other things. A part of that this year, the big project that we are investing in is this border patrol station in, uh, in Nepal. That the purpose of this, it was a $36,000 project uh, that we are investing in. And the goal is to be able to set up a border patrol station that, what does it do? They, they set up at the border where they're trafficking primarily girls across the border into India to try and, and use them for obviously sex uh, industry in some way. And so what we're able to do is partner with ministries there to be able to set up a border patrol station that can you know, find the girls they know because they've got people who work in that area to know who are girls that are being trafficked to rescue them, not only to rehabilitate them because there's the emotional trauma of what's taken place in this industry, but then to the next level to disciple them, to lead them to Christ, and then to send them out with other groups as church planners, planting churches in the very nations that were trying to destroy them. One of the most amazing things I've ever heard. You want to talk about redemption, God redeeming brokenness and using it for his glory. That's what we're partnering in. And so this year, that was one of the big projects, partnering with Venture, uh, which is an organization that brings the hope of the gospel into the hardest places in the world. And our dream was, as a part of several of our Kingdom Builders projects, is that we would be able to fund that this year. And so we, once a year, we gather together a time like this for what we call our miracle offering as we, as we give everyone. Many of us have been giving throughout the year to this project, but some of you haven't been. And this, this morning is an opportunity for every single person to say, God, what would you have me do? And that's the exact posture that I want us to have. You remember, what, what is that big so what? It's, it's generosity is open hearts, and open hands. So my prayer for every person that's in the room and every person that's watching online right now is simply this, having an open heart to say, God, would you have me engage and how would you have me engage in this project? And then to have open hands to say, God, whatever you ask of me, I'm willing to give that, to invest that in something that matters. I guarantee every dollar, there is no part of this offering that we are about to take right now, no part of this is going to anything else other than this Kingdom Builders project, okay? And so right now, we need about $10,000 more to hit our goal for this year. And I, by the end of the year, we've got to hit it. I believe we could hit that right here this morning because I think as we are all faithful, it doesn't mean that all of us are going to give 10000 but as all of us are faithful to what God puts on our heart, I believe he gave us this vision in January, and I believe he's going to bring it to completion here as all of us are faithful. So here's my challenge for you. If you are in the room, you notice there's a little card uh, there. I want you to have that in your hand. If you're online, it's okay. Uh, you're able to take a step right now. In a moment, I'm gonna give you just a minute or two just to ask God to speak to your heart, okay? During that time, you can do one of two things. One is you might be ready to give. You wanna give something right now. Uh, you can do that. We say there's, there's three easy ways to give around here. Well, two of those ways you can do right in this moment. You can go to zchurch.org. Uh, and through our giving, or you can go to the Zoe app and you can give and simply select Kingdom Builders on the line. And whatever is given in that obviously will go toward this project, okay? And so right now, if you're online or you're in person, you can do that right now. Pull out your phone if you'd like to give. But if you'd like to take some time to pray about that, that's why we have the card. It's an opportunity. Maybe you're not ready right in this moment. You're like, whoa, Greg, you're whiplashing me a little bit. You need to pray about this for a moment. That's okay. 
I got you the card so you can begin to have that. You can write down your amount when you sense God speak to you. And there's just instructions on the bottom about where you can go online uh, to give that gift. Also, on the way out the door this morning, I'm going to have the ushers just hold a bucket by all the doors. And so if you're, there's something that you want to drop in a bucket on your way out, there's no pressure. And they're not going to hold you at knife point or any of those things. Uh, they're just there if you want to drop something in the bucket, okay?